Hello everyone, welcome to Radically Normal. My name is Andre and I'm here with Michael. And on today's episode, we'll continue our walk through the book of Exodus with chapters 15 through 17. Hope you guys enjoy the discussion. Happy Thanksgiving, Andre. I know I'm a few days early, but I believe we're near your favorite holiday. It is one of my favorites. Michael and I were discussing before the episode, it's either like Thanksgiving, maybe Christmas. I also really like 4th of July. It's around my mom's birthday, so that's always a fun time with fireworks and all. I just wanted to correct one thing. So last week we went through uh, chapter 15 up until verse 21. So this week is only 15.22 through 17.7. Uh, I want to say, I do think that people wonder, well, that's a really weird selection. But if you ever read through Exodus or you look at it now, you'll see that it fits together really well. That people grumble and they grumble and they grumble and they sound a lot like us today. Yeah, so just wanted to clarify that. But yeah, Thanksgiving this week, really super excited. Um, Get some time off uh, starting on Wednesday. Um, And I'm actually not going home for Thanksgiving, unfortunately. Uh, someone could see you, uh, Michael, but uh, I'll be staying in Atlanta this year uh, to watch uh, Georgia Tech play UGA. Haven't been to that game in my four years of college, so figured I'd stay. Dang, and, and spending, spending some time uh, with Andy's family, uh, going to a concert with them, and yeah, should be a good time. Yeah, well, I said it'd be a good game, but I don't, I don't know if you guys have a chance. <laughs> yeah, probably not, but it'll be fun to see. UGA play number one team in the country. Hopefully that <laughs> by then and, and there'll be potentially a, a chance to sell my ticket. If, if, uh, I don't know, maybe any family gets me one. They'll help me sit with them. I can sell my ticket, my student ticket for some nice money. We'll see. <laughs> Do people buy student tickets that aren't students? Can that be a possibility? Oh yeah. Usually like on a weekly basis, like people like send their QR codes or whatever. Uh, you can get the student tickets at the beginning of the season and like just something like 10 bucks or whatever if you're not going to get your money back but for some of the games for example the we played at the mercedes-benz stadium against unc and i think i sold my ticket for 25 dollars. nice nice yeah i'm sure i could sell the uga ticket for probably like 40 or 50 yeah they're really good so wow all right man should we jump in chapter 15 verse 22 yeah sounds good all right, so just as a recap, last week we talked about the actual exodus has happened. Not only have they left Egypt, but Pharaoh and the Egyptians pursued in their chariots, and then the Red Sea was parted, the waters came crushing down after Israel had passed through, the Egyptians were crushed and conquered by Yahweh, and then the people sung what we call the Song of Moses, uh, which had many, many themes. Y'all got us our strength, song, salvation, glorious, majestic, and more. Uh, we talked about how he is... Uh, the only Lord, and he is over all of the Egyptian gods. Andre asked me a question about that. We finished out with Miriam singing, and now we get to this new part. So Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, verse 22, and they went into the wilderness, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Andre, what do you think about this? I just wanted to make uh, one one quick you know, funny comment. We, I don't know if the interview with uh, Carmen Imes will be released, but Michael actually asked that same question. Not on the episode, unfortunately, you guys won't get to hear that. But, you know, he did he did bring up uh, that question about, about the gods. So, fun stuff. Got to keep thinking about the episode after yeah. um, and talked about the interview. But, yeah, so looking at the end of Chapter 15, um, I had one, one quick point 
I wanted to make. And it was something that I had not really thought of before, but you know, the first thing that we see the people grown and, and, and I don't know what the second word that you used was, um, it wasn't mumbled, but grown in something, uh, grumbled, about, grumbled. there we go. Grown grumble about, um, as they're making this trek out of, out of Egypt, you know, leaving the Red Sea is that, you know, they're complaining and they say, you know, what are we going to drink, uh, in verse 24 and then, and, uh, you know, in verse 25, we see the Lord's solution, but you know, it's interesting that they're like grumbling about this you know, we don't have any water. We're going to go thirsty. We're going to die out here in the desert. It would have been better for us to just stay in Egypt, uh, complaining to Moses, uh, complaining to, to the Lord when, you know, they just saw the Lord like split the Red Sea, right? Like saw that, you know, if they didn't want to believe anything else about, you know, the Lord's power or, you know, his grace or his ability to deliver them through, um, you know, the sea and, 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 and um, out of Egypt and all the plagues and all of that, you know, the last thing that should have been in their memory that they were just singing about was how, you know, the Lord delivered them out of, you know, the hands of, of Pharaoh and all of his men that were coming on, on the chariots and all of that. And we, and, you know, if anything, the thing that should be the most on their mind is that, you know, he's the Lord and has power over, over, um, you know, the sea, over, over the water. And now they're saying, what are we going to drink? You know, are they already forgetting that, uh, you know, Yahweh who, who, you know, split the, the sea for them is going to also be able to provide them um, with water out of this log. And so it's just, that was just really interesting to me uh, to think of, you know, they, they saw this tremendous miracle having to do with water. And, and now they're complaining about that same thing. Um, and, and, you know, not believing that, that they're better off in the hands of the Lord than in the hands of Pharaoh. Uh, that, that's like the main thing that, that, I, that I thought of here when I, when I first read. Yeah, I think one thing is that, you know, they have a lot of animals. They also have a lot of people. So they do have some water with them. But after three days, they can get a little concerning. Like, we would panic. And I think another thing, though, that, I mean, like, people, we always want to say, like, how could the Israelites possibly, like, they just saw God split the sea, save them. They sung praise to God. Well, every week we gather on the Lord's Day and we sing praise to God. We've seen him save people. We see new baptisms. And by Monday, by Tuesday, certainly three days later, we're willing to sin against the Lord and grumble against him and not trust his provision. And so I think, I think we see the same thing, pattern of our own lives. So they're three days into the wilderness. They had no water. They come to this new place and Marah, and they could not drink it because it was bitter. So they grumble against Moses. Remember, Moses is like God to them. He's mediator. And so, uh, as Tim Chester says, it's not only the water that is bitter, so are the people. So are they. And this isn't going to be the last time. I mean, if you've already read through Exodus, I mean, you know that this next coming chapter and the one after that, we have a lot of grumbling. So um, Moses cries to the Lord. The Lord shows him a log, and it's thrown into the water. You can actually translate the word log as tree. So the tree becomes the source of life, and this echoes throughout the entire Bible. Due to the tree, this water of death becomes water of life. We see in Genesis chapter 2 that there's a tree of life. We see the same pattern next to the river in Revelation 21 22, and 22, uh, in new heaven and new earth. Remember that the ark that carried Noah and Moses saved them, this wooden instrument of life. And so through the waters of death comes uh, waters of life. The water becomes sweet. And that's uh, the end of verse 25. That's really good. And then, you know, in verse uh, 26, you know, we see, uh, you know, the Lord say, if you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do which is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, 
I will put none of the diseases in you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. So we see that you know, he makes this way for them to drink this water, which was um, which was bitter, uh, you know, which wouldn't have been good or, or helpful for anything. And you know, through you know the putting of this of this log into the water, now we see that you know this miracle happens. And now it's sweet. Now now it's useful, and you know we see the, the Lord's provision and, and how He provides for them. But He says, you know, for them not to forget that you know they need to keep His commandments. Um, you know, as you know, this um, this way for them to you know follow the you know expectations and rules of the Lord uh, to not forget that you know He is He is Lord over them. He's the one who's going to to provide for them. They need to um, in return uh, follow His commandments and keep His statutes um, so that you know so that you know the Lord can act as as their healer. And we see this relationship um, early on start to develop um, and and kind of already begin to see this, you know, covenantal language. Yeah, I like that a lot. And I think, and we talk about, which I don't think it'll come out yet, uh, or it hasn't come out yet, but um, Dr. Carmen Imes, we're talking, we get to talk with her about the goodness of the law and God's commands for his people. And if this sounds like, oh, if you keep my decrees and my law, you, like we, I will bless you. You won't experience the plagues that the Egyptians experienced. If that just sounds like Old Testament to you, consider Jesus. John 14, 21, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me, so the one who keeps the commandments, will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So it is clear that further enjoyment of God, further blessing of God, not talking materially, uh, comes through obedience to God. So this sounds just like Jesus. Um, no surprise there. Triune in the Old Testament, triune in the New Testament, triune for eternity. And then I think verse 27 is the most interesting because the commentators take it a lot of different ways. Then they came to Elam where there were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees and they camped there by the water. So we have 12 springs, we have 12 tribes, and we have 70 palm trees and 70, 70, 70 descendants of Jacob had first come into Egypt. That was Genesis 46. It was repeated in the Egypt 1 genealogy that Andre loved discussing. And so some commentators say this is also partially symbolic. It is historical, but it's showing like there's enough water for all the people. It's like a new Garden of Eden um, that the Lord has brought them to. There is some symbolism here. And then some just say it is historical only. But I think it's interesting to at least consider how they're brought to this place. And these numbers seem so matched up with Genesis and earlier in Exodus. And then, you know, if we have nothing else about, you know, the end of, of chapter 15, we can move into uh, chapter 16, if that's good with you. Go um, and, and here, uh, you know, we get to see another instance, as, as Michael pointed out to you, where, where the people are going to groan and grumble. Uh, this time, it's it's for, for food, for, for, for bread. Uh, you know, we see that now, as more time passes, you know, now they're, they're, they're hungry as well. And so even though you know, the Lord had provided them with water and given them um, a miracle, which turned something better into something sweet. Uh, now uh, they're worried again. And this time they're worried that they're going to have, uh, you know, no food and they're going to go hungry. And again, um, you know, say, maybe we should have just not gone on this, on this journey, not trusted in the Lord. And we're going to get to see uh, how the Lord works to, um, enforce a, a trust in him over, you know, a trust in anything else. Yeah. And I think it's key that we move from water to bread because Jesus is going to pick this up in the famous John six passage where he says that he is the bread of life from heaven. And so uh, I think that that's key. I think Jesus 
definitely is talking about passages like this one. And they grumble against Moses and Aaron, their leaders. And that means they're grumbling against the Lord. When David sins with Bathsheba, what does he say? That he sinned against God first and foremost. And so God says that he's going to rain bread and he's going to test them. So uh, a friend and I, uh, Grant, he listens to the podcast. He's a good friend of both of ours. We did a Bible study in uh, about a year ago. And we were talking about, well, what's the difference between trial and and temptation or what's the difference between a temptation and then a test because the lord tests his people all the time but he doesn't tempt his people we know that from james chapter one so what's the difference and so we kind of came up with uh that a temptation is from satan with the goal of alluring to sin and a test can is coming from the lord with the goal of furthered steadfastness further perseverance further growth in the faith and so these people are being tested god isn't trying to lead them into sin he's trying to deepen their trust in him yeah and we see that in that uh you know they're groaning for for food for bread out of, you know out of hunger and then the lord provides this way and uh tells moses that you know bread is going to rain from heaven uh you know the manna and you know that they are to collect it you know, each and every day go out in the morning, collect this bread, uh, take what they can eat, and then, you know, not leave any leftovers, but trust that the next day when they wake up, the Lord's going to, again, provide them uh, with the manna that they need um, for that day, you know, with an exception of, of um, on the sixth day, they're, collect, they're to collect as well for the Sabbath. And so these are kind of the rules that are set in place. And, you know, the reason for this is that, um, you know, we see that the Lord wants, um you know, his people to, to trust that, you know, he will be the one to sustain them. And I think this just like has roots, like even deeper than, you know, waking up in the morning and going and collecting this bread. But, you know, as we see this journey that they're going on and we see all this groaning and these examples of them, you know, complaining to the Lord, complaining to Moses, the Lord really, what he wants is, is for them just to trust him and, and not look to other things, um, you know, not have, you know, other idols, not, uh, um, go against his, his commands, not live their lives in the way that is, um, you know, to be staying to, to the commands uh, that the Lord has uh, for them as, as they move, you know, on this journey towards the promised land. Um, and, you know, in doing this, we see that, you know, when they gather more than what they should, you know, the next day there's, there's worms, it's, you know, it's spoiled. It's, it's the, the man is no good anymore. So when they trust in the, in the Lord's provision, uh, you know, we see that, you know, there's blessing, you know, each morning and, and when they don't, you know, what they, what they kept, what they're being, you know, greedy about or, or thought that they, they need to take care of themselves in a different way and not follow the Lord's plan. then we see that, you know, that effort is all in vain. So diving a little deeper, we're kind of giving an overview of the chapter. Verse six, Moses and Aaron, Moses and Aaron said to the people at evening, you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt in the morning. You're going to see his glory. And so they're going to see the cloud that resembles God's presence. It's not just Exodus, not just numbers, but they, we see this in the Psalms talk about this and first uh, Kings when the glory of the Lord fills the temple that Solomon builds. And so this is reverberating throughout the scripture. And so the Lord says to Moses, verse 12, I have heard the grumbling of the people at twilight. You shall eat uh, meat and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. So then we see this whole story unfold with quail as well. And I like how Andre talked a little bit. We'll get to the Sabbath in a second. But I like how he talked a little bit about uh, how there's more to it than just picking up the food when it's there and how we have to take the seventh day. They collect twice as much on the sixth day. I mean, this kind of goes with Leviticus 25. They they don't work in that seventh year when it comes to the Jubilee um, 
uh, tradition. And that, that you have to have faith. You can't just say, oh, if, if we just eat this food the Lord provides, like we're saved. It's not law, then salvation. It's still a faith-based system. You have to trust that the Lord is going to provide and that you're not going to need to eat on that seventh day. And, or you're not going to need to collect. And so this is still faith-based. They have to trust the Lord to provide for them. And then we like see the, the you know, one more point before we, we move on to, to the part about the Sabbath. But, you know, we also see this, you know, connection that, you know, this like deeper um, feeling of, you know, what's better than than feeling full from, from the quail or, or the manna is, uh, you know, this, you know, having, you know, their hearts, you know, full of, of this trust in the Lord and, you know, having, um, you know, this relationship with him that they can, you know, wake up in the morning and they know that the Lord is going to be the one who provides and who sustains them. And it's not, you know, by their own, you know, will that they can, that they can, you know, have enough to eat or, or worry about, you know, where they're to go or where, where to get food or anything like that, but that they know that, you know, you know, Yahweh is the one who's going to, who's to sustain them um, and to, you know, provide for them. And, you know, more so than just their physical needs, um, it's going to be their, you know, spiritual needs that are met um, by having this this faith in, in, in the Lord. Yeah, and so just a question for you, Andre, is do you think it's harder in our modern context to trust the Lord when our pantries have food? Like a lot of us have food, so sometimes we can feel self-sufficient, like we don't need to trust the Lord daily to provide, even though we're taught to pray from Jesus in Matthew 6. Um give us this day our daily bread do you think it's harder different or the same i think it's it's different for sure i don't think it, it should be harder because you know um it's the same unchanging um you know god who is who is there to sustain us and you know it's that it's the same faith that we need to have now um as ever before but i think it's definitely different and there uh, you know there are things that are different as you pointed out you know you know you wake up and you know you can go get a bowl of cereal or you can get some mm. oatmeal or, or whatever you want and um, you know, it's going to be your mom or your dad or your own job that provides that. But, you know, you still have to have this faith in the Lord and on a lot of the, you know, just as, as, you know, these people that we're reading about have to trust in the Lord on the path that they're to take through the desert um, and where their next meal might come from. You know, we also have to have the same faith in, you know, how the Lord will, will shape our path. And, you know, along the way, there may be, you know, a specific person that, um, you know, we may need to talk to or, um, you know, friendships or, um, you know, what job to take or anything like that. And it's that those small um, decisions or, or, you know, moments that we need to have faith that, you know, the, the provision will come in those ways. Um, I really liked the one story that you had mentioned to me before. Uh, we recorded maybe a few episodes ago of, of how you were, you know, worried that you wouldn't have met as many, uh, you know, believers in, in law school, right? And then, you know, a bunch of them have just like, it seemed like they just appeared. Right. And I think it's like faith in those moments that, that really reminds me of, of these stories. Yeah. I love that. And one other thing, I mean, this is flowing right out of the text that, that also grows their dependence on the Lord is this Sabbath day, because when you abstain from working for an entire day, what you're saying is I'm not finding my identity in my productivity or in my discipline or in everything that I can cultivate and store up for my own self-security, my own future. Instead, I'm going to trust the one who created for six days and rested on the seventh. And so when we get to the Sabbath, like I'm no Sabbatarian in the sense of, I believe that it's like institutional law for the Christian life, but I take a Sabbath because I think it's healthy and I think it's refreshing. And it teaches us that 
we can rest from work. We're not defined by, you know, what the week has or what our future has or what we can secure for ourselves. We're instead defined by the one who created for six days and rested on the seventh. So I find it to be a healthy practice. If you never read anything on it, check out John Mark Comer, his book uh, on on uh, eliminating hurry, and then everything he says about this is just pure gold. In fact, uh, Andre, I don't know if you saw Dane texted us recently, uh, a screenshot, John Mark Comer's taking uh, an entire year off following the Jubilee pattern. He after six years of work, he's taking a year off and he said, see you later, social media. I think that's really cool. So this Sabbath is not just some law given practice. It's good for the people's souls for them to trust Yahweh. Yeah, and this is like the story of the manna and, and, and the Sabbath and, you know, collecting for six days and trusting in the Lord that, uh, you know, they'll have enough to eat on the seventh and that, you know, for those who had seen their, their efforts spoil of, you know, saving some extra, you know, the talk of the town must have been, um, you know, this person or that person saying, you know, I had collected extra and it's spoiled. Now we're not supposed to collect at all for, for day seven. We're all going to go hungry and, and they need to trust. And we see that that comes true. But then, um, and then in that Sabbath, you know, we also see that the people who go out to collect on that day, who potentially hadn't collected um, twice their portion on the sixth day, you know, those people also find that there is no, um, you know, there's no manna that has fallen from the sky on the seventh day. So we see how important um, it is to the Lord, not only to trust, but also to follow this command of keeping the Sabbath and, and you know, not working on the seventh day, also following the command to um, collect twice their portion on, on the sixth day. And, you know, we see that, you know, as they're going out and, and, um, and collecting, you know, this, this bread, um, you know, one thing that I'd always thought of when reading this, um, these chapters is, is just that, you know, they're, they're groaning and part of it might be because they don't like uh, the quail or the bread or the water, you know, that that's being collected. But, you know, just as we have seen that, you know, the water turned from bitter to sweet and now it was something that uh, was good to drink. You know, we see that the man that's falling from the sky, it's not just, you know, dirty and in, in, in the dirt and, and, and all that, but we see that, uh, you know, the taste of it was like wafers made of honey in verse 31. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Lord's provision in all of this, uh, we see again for a second time, and I'm, I'm sorry if I skipped any any verses that you haven't been able to talk to yet, Michael. Look, nope. This is kind of where I think that, that we've been at with kind of our overviews and all that, but uh, we see that the Lord's provision is not only enough to sustain, but it's also something that's good, um, you know, good to, to help, you know, give that provision, um, you know, for their bodies to, you know, function, um, you know, as they should, you know, they're not in lack. It's not like this is just bad bread and it's dirty and, and the water tastes kind of funny still. It's just not going to make you sick. No, it's like, these are, these provisions from the order are, you know, they're good gifts you know, they're keeping them healthy, um, keeping them, you know, well on this journey. And, and we see that the Lord, you know, in return for that wants, you know, wants, uh, you know, really ultimately their hearts. He wants them to trust. He wants their faith. I'm in him and in, in his provision. And I'll turn it back over to you now. Yeah. So just closing at chapter 16, it is about his provision and them trusting that because they're to keep this Omer, which is somewhere like two courts, two liters. There's a footnote in a lot of Bibles. And so they're to keep this Omer so that they might see the bread with which God fed them. And they're to, it's a reminder. And it's not just a reminder of his faithfulness. It's a reminder of how the people grumbled against him and how if you don't follow the covenant, if you're not faithful to Yahweh, like there are covenant 
not just blessings, but covenant curses in a sense. I said Leviticus 25. Now Leviticus 26, we see if the people aren't faithful, there will be exile. And then so verse 35, to close out chapter 16, the people of Israel ate the manna for 40 years. And so reminder, this isn't being written like literally as it happens. And so they ate the manna for 40 years. So all of their time in the wilderness going to the promised land, which we see them come into the land in the book of Joshua, they are provided for. It's not just for one week. It's not just for one year. It's for 40 years. And so we get to chapter 17. We kind of have a similar story. So why don't you kick us off? So, yeah. So as we you know close out chapter 16 and see how the Lord had uh, provided and, and will continue to provide for, for these um for the 40 years, which the people will be, you know, um, in the wilderness. Then we get to verse 17, and then we see again another instance of, of groaning and grumbling about water again. Um, and this time it's, it's uh, you know, the more famous story of, of not a, a tree or a log into some bitter water, but now the Lord instructing Moses to uh, strike a rock with this staff that has done so many uh, miracles up to this point um and uh and we see that that water comes from this rock and and provides uh water for the people um and so as we quickly quickly get through these uh seven verses um let's see let's see how you want to start us off michael so you got yeah i'll just give a i'll just give a couple overview comments we've kind of talked about it theologically and maybe an application so in verse two we see um the people uh, or sorry, we see Moses' response to the people includes, why do you test the Lord? So earlier in the in the conversation day, the language about was about God testing them. Now the language is about them testing God. That's not a good reversal for the people of Israel. If they begin to test Yahweh like Egypt did, then that that's not a good reversal. God testing us reduces produces faithfulness and endurance for us. Us testing God is not a good outcome for us. And so then we see that the staff that has brought them out of Egypt, this source of power for the people through the Holy Spirit, now brings water. And then just kind of closing out, it's interesting in verse 7 that Meribah is, is mentioned because it's in Numbers chapter 20 where Moses later sins. He strikes the rock instead of speaking. Uh, and he doesn't follow the Lord, and that's why he doesn't go into the promised land. So it's kind of like a little clue or a little like foreshadowing, like that place would stick in the mind, and then you get to Numbers 20, you see it again. And so the only other comment I have is that the rock is Christ. 1 Corinthians 10, Paul sees this as an encounter and a provision through Jesus. And so the people are tested, the people are unfaithful, um, but the Lord still delivers them. That's really good, and then, you know, towards the end, um, we see in verse seven, um, in the second part, uh, you know, the people testing the Lord, as Michael said, is the Lord among us or not. And so as we had seen in, in, in chapter 16, what the Lord really wanted was for the people to trust in him and have faith in him. And now we're seeing that there is this lack of faith. You know, they're questioning if the Lord is even with them, you know, even after, uh, all the things that the Lord did to deliver them out of Egypt, uh, you know, through the Red Sea you know, this time in the wilderness with the manna and with the water um, up to now. And, and we see this lack of faith. And despite this lack of faith, which, uh, you know, in chapter 16, um, the Lord had pointed out um, in in, uh, in, fifth, in the end of 15 and 16, uh, you know, you know, they are to follow my commandments and I will, you know, provide for them and, and not, um, you know, do as, as what happened to Egypt. Despite that, we see that the Lord again is going to provide uh, we see that the people are angry. Moses says that, you know, the people may even stone him. 
because of how angry and, and faithless they are at this point, and the Lord still provides. Um, you know, so we we see, you know, an instance of, of grace here. Um, you know, in our conversation with Carmen Himes again, you know, we talked a little bit about how you know grace is seen throughout the Old Testament. I think this is a, a good example of that here. Um, really, the only point I had about this these seven these seven verses. Yeah, and I know you got to run. So in summary, I had connections Leviticus and Numbers. Don't just stop at Exodus. Keep reading these books in the Pentateuch and trust the Lord. He will provide, and we'll be back next week.